Hey, everyone. Kara here from The Kara Golden Show. Look, I've started and scaled companies, but when I first started podcasting, figuring out the workflow for this business was a real challenge. There were so many moving parts that I needed to learn from scheduling and recording to editing and promoting each episode. But once I streamlined the process, things got easier. I was able to focus more on bringing in amazing guests and delivering great content, which was such a relief. Thinking about this experience reminded me of the challenges many face managing their business every day. Whether you are the CEO or working supporting one, you need the right tools to streamline processes, especially when it comes to shipping and handling orders. That's where ShipStation comes in. ShipStation makes it easy to manage your shipments from all your sales channels. ShipStation automates tasks, prints shipping labels in bulk, and keeps your customers informed, freeing up your time to focus on growing your business. If you're looking for a way to simplify shipping and make your business more efficient, ShipStation is the solution. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time too. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me and my team to manage orders from anywhere, print shipping labels from just a click. Yes, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable with discounts up to 89% off carrier rates. And who wouldn't want that? Plus, an easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses as well? ShipStation just makes it easier so your business can grow. And yes, even when you're on your summer vacation, ShipStation is it. Work less and ship more with ShipStation, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA, K-A-R-A, to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have my next guest here. We have Ahmed Rahim, who is the co-founder and chief vision officer, amongst other things, of Numi Organic Tea, which is one of the largest premium organic fair trade certified tea companies in North America. 
Ahmed is also, as I mentioned, the co-founder, and he co-founded with his sister. I absolutely love that story, and we'll definitely get into that. But all of the Numi blends, that there's so many that are so, so incredible, and I've admired so many of them for so many years. And to actually get to know Ahmed a little bit more through just being a local entrepreneur has just been incredible. And I'm really grateful for that. And he has the terrible job of traveling the world seeking unique blends, um, plants and teas, as well as building partnerships with farmers and their communities. He started the Numi Foundation, which we'll get into that, which amongst other things brings clean water to many of the farming communities that he has been partnering with. And he's also the co-founder of One Step Closer. We'll hear a lot more about that. But he's a great example of a co-founder who has led with purpose, innovated all along the journey, and really pours his heart and soul into everything that he does. So I'm very excited to welcome you here today, Ahmed. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Cara, for having me. An honor to be on your show. And and yeah, it's uh, what a beautiful intro. Wow. You can intro me anytime, anywhere. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start at the beginning. I'd love to get a picture of you as a child. I know you immigrated from Iraq, and I would love to hear a little bit more about that and sort of how that kind of inspired you maybe to do some of the stuff that you've done now and and uh, a little bit earlier. Well, thank you. Yeah, there's actually a lot of direct correlations from my birthplace of Baghdad. And actually with Numi, um, it comes from a name from, uh, uh, from Iraq, the, the name Numi. But yeah, I, you know, it, it, when we, when my father immigrated to the United States in the seventies, you know, there was a lot of turmoil happening in Baghdad, um, with the government changing and who we ended up having as our president, Saddam Hussein, who created a lot of unfortunate challenges for the people there and for the country. Um, so it was wonderful that my dad had a dream to leave and, you know, studied in England for many years to be a doctor and then studied again in the United States to be a doctor. So he actually has three degrees, um, you know, from uh, cardiology then to nephrology. But um, we immigrated to Cleveland, Ohio back in the 70s. And you know, immigrating back then was a little challenging. Um, there was a lot of racism, as there still is today, but it was it was tough to grow up in in the Midwest. Um, you know, I've grown to love and and you know enjoy going now to visit my parents, and I have two siblings that still live there in Cleveland, in the suburbs there. But um, it was tough growing up. I was always an outcast and very um looked at you know the war with iraq and iran was happening in the 80s so i was kind of the subject of um of discrimination because of that and called all kinds of weird names things i would not want to repeat and it took me a while to um find myself because i think one part of humanity is about belonging and really where do you belong in this world and with whom do you belong and how do you belong and how do you show up so the identity uh, crisis for me was started early on in just being an immigrant and trying to find the, the, the earth below my feet. And, you know, it was actually through plants that I ended up really finding myself and plants that created a little bit of psychoactive effects on my body and mind to allow me to see that, you know, don't let this stuff bother you. Don't don't take it so personally. But it took years and years and even into my adult life 
to work through that. And, um, and also, you know, being, having parents that um, come from such a strong culture, you know, and immigrating to a very quote unquote kind of free culture, you know, uh, with their standards of living. And, you know, um, it was, uh, it was difficult, you know, and, and again, it was plants that helped me break out of that and see beyond the cultures and and today fast forward i love and appreciate the culture that my parents come from and i've had the fortune to go back there many times just got back from lebanon um just you know three four weeks ago where i you know still have a 96 year old uncle and um 80 plus year old aunt and many cousins there and some flew from baghdad to see us um so i've really grown to love it and the lineage is very strong and and you know being the first generation to leave thousands of years of mesopotamia babylon culture to the western world i feel like i have a big responsibility on, on what the future holds for our lineage and just for the 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 ways um cultures of oppression and cultures of richness can uh, feed a new culture like america how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Hey everyone, Kara here from the Kara Golden Show. Look, I've started and scaled companies, but when I first started podcasting, figuring out the workflow for this business was a real challenge. 
There were so many moving parts that I needed to learn from scheduling and recording to editing and promoting each episode. But once I streamlined the process, things got easier. I was able to focus more on bringing in amazing guests and delivering great content, which was such a relief. Thinking about this experience reminded me of the challenges many face managing their business every day. Whether you are the CEO or working supporting one, you need the right tools to streamline processes, especially when it comes to shipping and handling orders. That's where ShipStation comes in. ShipStation makes it easy to manage your shipments from all your sales channels. ShipStation automates tasks, prints shipping labels in bulk, and keeps your customers informed, freeing up your time to focus on growing your business. If you're looking for a way to simplify shipping and make your business more efficient, ShipStation is the solution. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time too. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me and my team to manage orders from anywhere, print shipping labels from just a click. Yes, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable with discounts up to 89% off carrier rates. And who wouldn't want that? Plus, an easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses as well? ShipStation just makes it easier so your business can grow. And yes, even when you're on your summer vacation, ShipStation is it. Work less and ship more with ShipStation, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA, K-A-R-A, to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA wonderfully said. So you talked about plants. So what was it? I mean, were you interested in plants as a youngster? I mean, what can you be more specific about that? Sure. Well, I mean, the things that awoke my mind were beyond just the plants that we would normally find in a store uh, or in marketplace. So those were just able to open my mind up to um, to what is this place that we live on? What is the sense of belonging? What is our culture? So those, you know, which are getting more popular today, luckily, and there's all kinds of beautiful documentaries and books written about psychoactive plants. But I think on the traditional side of plants, um, you know, tea is such a big beverage in our culture in the Middle East, and it's obviously big in Eastern Europe. It's big in, I mean, it's the most consumed beverage in the world after water. Um, it's tea around the world. You think of all the tea consumed in India, in Africa, in in, in um you know, you name it, South America with yerba mate and um, China, you know, with green tea. So we in the Middle East, we drink a lot of, you know, just black tea. Um, But there was one tea that we drink, which is our drink of hospitality, which, you know, you go to China, you get green tea everywhere you go. You go to Morocco, you get mint, you go to South America, you get yerba mate. And in Iraq, you would drink this dried lime, you know, Um, you know, like unlike America, where you 
you know, your drink of hospitality is Coca-Cola. You know, in Iraq, it's this dried lime that is sun-dried and and it's served with a lot of sugar, but it's sweet and sour, but it's our drink of hospitality and we call it Numi. Um, so my sister and I, you know, we both grew up as, as artists. We both um, learned uh, our, our need to express, you know, whether it's our the stuff that I talked about from cultural indifferences to, you know, just being raised in a whole place uh, where we have this history and and somehow we both became artists, my sister Reem and I. And um, and so we, we traveled the world. She was living in, in Italy and Spain and Eastern U.S. I was living in Germany and France and Czech Republic. And and I ended up opening up tea houses in uh, Prague, Czech Republic, where I had a farm. And so I tried to bring this lime in, um, this dried lime to my tea houses. We had about 300 types of loose teas and we exported. We started an export business and we, we sold these 300 loose teas all throughout Eastern Europe. But it wasn't possible. And then when my sister and I came upon the idea to bring this lime, which we'd always talked about in our family, that somebody should bring it to the U.S. and bring it more mainstream. We decided to call the company Numi. And, you know, our culture is a lot about generosity and hospitality. So to offer this lime to the uh, mainstream market was, you know, it was amazing. And it was the inspiration and so my sister and I, when we started, we really brought a lot of our creativity to the company. You know, my sister adorned all the packaging with her paintings and we wrote quotes on all the different boxes and tea bags, poetry, and we made cooking recipes. And it was kind of more like an art gallery than a branding uh, trying to sell. I remember our first website, you had to click like seven times to actually buy something. <laughs> it was more about the journey the mind and meditation, the artwork, the poetry. And, you know, it was it was beautiful to be artists and enter the world of entrepreneurship 23 years ago, exactly 23 years ago on August 7th um, of 20 uh, of 1999 is when we launched. And so we just we just surpassed our 23 year anniversary. But for us to be artists and enter this world and to just have a rocket ship growth success in our first few years just all of a sudden to get on the map and be in over 30 countries around the world was um, was a whirlwind. It still is even today. Obviously, a lot of other new challenges face us and also a lot of growth. But um, yeah, it was beautiful to enter this through our lineage and through our drink of hospitality, the, the dry dried lime. It sounds like you really were thinking about bringing culture to the U.S. initially, but also I mean, did you ever stop and say, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur? Or was it really about bringing a gift to people to experience something? I mean, did you really stop and think, I'm going to go compete against all the rest of the tea companies that are out there? I mean, it, back in 1999, who were kind of the big uh, tea companies at the time? I mean, there wasn't really kind of quality tea, right? That was your competition was a lot less. It was more mass, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think you, you bring up a great point, Cara, which is, you know, when we came out, you know, tea was kind of sleepy. Um, there was some new brands out like Tazo had just been bought by Starbucks a few months after we launched. And there was a, you know, a couple other brands that kind of, I don't want to say pretended to be premium, but they had a beautiful package, but their actual quality was low grade tea dust or tea fennings, which is literally the leftovers of the tea plant. 
and also sprayed with a lot of oils and natural flavorings, which, you know, those are just lab created. So I think we stood for a few things when we launched and we still stand really strong on those pillars, which is really high quality teas that are unadulterated by natural flavorings and oils and sprayed. So we really let the teas and herbs and spices speak for themselves. You know, we also wanted to bring these authentic um, origins, you know, where these teas come from in, in the mountains of China or India or these herbs from South Africa and not use any flavorings. Just let the roiba speak for itself or the lemongrass or the mint or these um, amazing teas from China with jasmine flowers or our Earl Grey, which uses the real bergamot fruit. That's why we call it aged Earl Grey. So we really wanted to celebrate the origin um, and we were kind of the first to do that and first to use teas with no flavorings. And still today, we don't use any natural flavorings or artificial oils. Um, and then lastly, and probably which has really separated us from the pack, is, um, is all of our, our values and our commitments to the farmers, you know, um, to organic, to the earth, to packaging, sustainable packaging. You know, we've obviously grown and changed over the last 20 plus years, but our initial um, ideas of being super innovative, you know, bringing the first to the market roibus and honeybush and lemon myrtle and shizandra berries and pu'er and turmeric and, you know, flowering tea and the list goes on, all these unique herbs that were out there, but nobody really forged to bring them to the market. And um, especially on the mainstream level. So I think we created a niche pretty quickly with innovation, with this beautiful artistic packaging, with real ingredients, which I think consumers were craving something that was more authentic. Because, yeah, you know, the brands that were out for a while, especially, you know, Celestial Seasonings and Bigelow and Twinings and, you know, hats off to them for for carving a niche in the market and, and creating what is today tea. But the quality and the authenticity and um, the values of a fully organic, fully fair trade weren't out there then. So we really able we were able to put a stake in the ground and say, this is what Numi's about and this is what we stand for. And we got tons of press and we did, I think my sister and I, 16 trade shows our first year to get out on the map, you know, gift shows and coffee shows and food service shows and natural food shows and grocery shows just to really let the trade know who we are. Yeah, no, it's you guys were definitely on the forefront of that. I remember it's uh, hats off to you for really bringing that to the market because it's uh, it's hard what you did, right? It's There's a lot of education around it too. And of course, you did it in a classy way that you weren't knocking other brands. You uh, just said what you were doing and how you were really unique and how you were different. And obviously, you could taste the difference as well. Uh, you touched on this, but you uh, really supported some of the farmers that you're working um, with and, and sort of figuring out the different tea blends that you were creating uh, and created the Numi Foundation. Can you talk a little bit more about that, how that came about? Yeah, I mean, our, our commitment to farmers was from the beginning, you know, and it was interesting when I used to go visit the farmers 20 plus years ago, and I'd always ask what what their needs are they kind of were surprised, you know, they were like, wait, normally these manufacturers are coming and trying to extract us for pennies and pennies and 
discount us and, 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 and you're asking us, how can you give us more? So it was an interesting paradigm shift for, for the relationship to um, want to dive deeper with them. And so immediately from the beginning, we really wanted to create programs and fair trade certification didn't even exist when we launched. And then when it did, I was kind of surprised that we had to pay an organization to do the work with the farmers. Um, but, you know, I got it over time and, you know, we became one of the, we've, be, we've become one of the largest, if not the largest fair trade certified brand in, in North America. And then we even went on to launch our own program called Fair Labor Practices, which is an improvement program. Um, and so we, we tag team with Fair Trade USA and Fair Labor Practices to to work and collaborate with our farmers. But, you know, we work with over 15,000 farmers and their families and um, in over 36 countries around the world where we source our teas and herbs and spices. And they're the lifeline, you know, these farmers that have been doing it for generations, you know, that, that pick the turmeric in Madagascar, that pick the mint and chamomile and these spices all around the world and the traditional teas in Japan and Taiwan and India and China, you know, they've been doing it for generations. And so for us to really partner with them, it's kind of more of an honor and it's a privilege to be able to work with such committed farmers that really care also about organic because there's not a lot that 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 do that. Um, you know, a lot of the bigger brands, they buy conventional and they buy large volume and they're not necessarily always doing it for, I think, in my opinion, the right reasons of taking care of this earth for every product we create and making sure that the farmers are being taken care of from wages to healthcare to school and education um, to alternative programs. And so when we grew and we, our farmer base uh, was really established, you know, we decided to start the NUMI foundation, my sister and I, and most important thing we could think of was education and also sort of human rights. And what, what are some of the basic needs we all deserve as humans? And it's obviously, you know, education, healthcare, clean water, um, and we quickly began this project called Together for Hope, H2OPE. And, um, and we wanted to bring clean water to our farming communities. So in Madagascar, for example, where we source our turmeric and we work with uh, over 4,000 farmers and their families, you know, Madagascar is the 10th poorest country in the world. And they literally drink water out of the dirty rivers. And um, so these 12 villages you know, we said, hey, what do you need? And they said, water. It's it's basically a, a, a human right to have clean water, but they're drinking from the river and they're getting sick and, you know, all the diarrhea and all the things that come with drinking. Even if you boil it, it's still not going to clean, you know, clean all the bacterias. And so we went and raised money through the NUMI Foundation. A lot of, of our team and employees joined even the farmers themselves jo joined with um, this funding campaign and we raised money pretty quickly to dig, um, you know, 20 wells and these farmers now have clean water. And, um, and then the, 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 the management group that we, we work with, they're now maintaining it ongoing. And, you know, and it's interesting, the farmers had been promised by so many government and private companies to do this clean water for years and generations and nobody did it. So when we did it, or even when we asked, they were so shocked and surprised and they're like, Oh, whatever, you know, everyone said it, but nobody's done it. So, you know, and we carried that on to India where we have about 8,000 farmers in, Mad in um, the Assam region. 
We created a whole WASH program and partnered with organizations locally and domestically here in the U.S. with Women's Earth Alliance here and with PBET and some others in India that were able to really work with these farmers and get them educated on what sanitation is about. And we distributed over, I think, 1,200 um, water filters and, and created all kinds of sanitation programs and moved latrines and fixed wells. Um, and, and so, you know, the NUMI Foundation has grown over the years. Even during COVID, we raised a lot of money to deliver organic produce to some of the poorest families here in Oakland. Um, and, uh, you know, because so many pound, millions of pounds of produce was being thrown away when COVID first started. So we were able to find the BIPOC farmers, raise the money, get the, get the produce and deliver it door to door to um, thousands of families across Oakland and some of the poorest families. Um, and that stemmed from what we do in education here in Oakland through the foundation is we created a gardening and art curriculum, which we have in, um, in a lot of the uh, Oakland Unified School District, as well as in Richmond and Marin um, to educate children around organic food and where food comes from. So the foundation has evolved and it's been really a beautiful organization to support all of our communities in need, whether it's our farmers or in our own backyard of Oakland. And we even do stuff in Iraq for a lot of the orphans there. That's incredible. You know, it's interesting because the NUMI brand, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes, right? There's finding the right tea. There's everything that you described in not just supporting communities where your product is grown, but also in your own backyard. I mean, that's that just makes me feel even better about the brand, and uh, and I'm sure consumers uh, do as well. You've now founded a company and scaled a company over many years. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that you faced? Like, I mean, I, I can name 10 challenges <laughs> more than that. But I mean, what are, what are a couple of them that you just never really thought about would ever be even in front of you where you thought, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get over it? What was can you name one or two of them that really kind of hit you as as pretty tough? Yeah, I mean that's you know I think every entrepreneur what keeps them up at night, right? We all we all start our organizations from passion and culture and want great performance, and you know along the way we have to bring in partners, and it's really the partnerships and the people that we attract and that sometimes are attracted to us. The biggest lesson I've learned, not just from myself, but also a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs is who do we bring on as our partners? And partners is a big word because partners could be our employees. It could be the CEO we hire. It could be the, the people that give us money. It could be our farming uh, um, partners. So I've learned that it's all about the people. And you surround yourself with great people and great things will happen. And if you surround yourself with somebody sour, then it could really taint things, especially when times are rough. You know, we're not always going to have rocket ship growth and tons of money in the bank and great employees. Um, so when times are rough, that's where the rub happens. And, you know, there was some time we brought in some investors, some venture um, investors, um, and, you know, I started to see their true colors out over time. And, you know, 
trying to get me out of, of the organization, trying to, um, you know, I mean, there was a lot of good to it as well. So I don't want to just talk about the negative because th there's, you know, there's good and bad and everything. And, but, you know, you really start to see the true colors when something goes south and it really has taught me even, you know, our banking partners, we've had great banking partners over the years and you really see how they are when the times are rough and they've leaned in and really been incredibly supportive. But the investors, you know, because they do have equity in the company, you know, they, it's like a marriage and, um, and it's how do we navigate them and how do we surround even those investors and uh, people with big hearts and big visionaries? Because when you're a mission driven business like ours, you know, and like Numi, which is all about the farmers, all about this earth, all about the products we produce, the packaging, making sure there's no waste left on this planet um, because we're already, you know, just suffocating from all the plastic on this planet. Are those partners in this for the long haul? You know, even if it is, even if you plan to sell the company one day or turn it over to another bigger strategic, you know, who are those people that are coming along for the journey and are they aligned? Um, and it's tough. You never know, right? You don't know because it, everything is great today and everyone's, you know, celebrating the success and wow, what a rocket ship. Let's all join. And we love the vision, but, uh, I just, I've learned to take my time, you know, and really think through things. And, you know, even as, a um, as one, I've evolved a lot too, as a human over the years with Numi and learn to listen more and learn to be more patient because it's, that's the lesson I have to turn inward because you can't change anyone. You can only change yourself. And I've learned to take more time and be more patient in the choices. And my recommendation to every entrepreneur is never raise money when your back's against the wall. You know, when you're running out of money or um, when you want to launch something big and you need a lot of cash really quick, um, take your time, get to know your investors. Same with employees, you know, especially for big positions um, for any position for that matter, but, you know, really get to know the people that you want to run your organization or to be partners in your organization. Cause it is, it is kind of a marriage. You're creating a community, you're creating a village and it takes the village to drive the brand and the business. Um, and you know, in our world with farmers too, you know, there's not a lot of farmers that are committed to organic and fair trade. So just that principle and value alone, you know, kind of helps narrow the field and with money, you know, there's a lot of investors that say I'm impact investor, I'm doing good in the world. And, but you know, it's money and it's, it's a trade, it's an exchange and, um, and they want their value, which they just totally deserve. Um, but are they aligned? Um, and, and I've just learned over the time to, to be more patient, to listen carefully, to get to know people and also at some point to let go. And, um, that's been something that is the hardest for every entrepreneur to do is to let go and get out of our own way, but at some point to let go. And um, because when you do listen carefully, at least for me, when I listen carefully and, and this constant listening and forgiving and listening and letting go, um, good things can happen. Um, and people feel like there's nobody that's holding on. There's no attachment. It's, it's all for the better of, of the organization and all that um, are driving it. Um, but those have been some hard lessons. I mean, COVID 
That's been one of the hardest lessons. I mean, you know, we have a big part of our business that's in hospitality, you know, and restaurants and hotels and tech offices and universities and airlines and, I mean, you name it, cafes. And, you know, we lost a lot of business when COVID hit because nobody was going out. Everyone was at home. And, you know, and times got really hard and you were really able to see who's stepping in to support you. Um, we needed money and um, how our banks leaned in, how some friends leaned in and really helped. Um, and it was amazing to just witness that, you know, we're still not completely out of COVID. We still need help, but it's, it's always, yeah, it's always taking time to, 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 to not just react off the cuff, but to think what's the best strategy. Um, so COVID has been an incredible lesson. I mean, so many patterns have changed since COVID hit. And now that we're, kind of out of it, you know, as far as this pandemic, it still is rippling through all of our decisions. If somebody would have said COVID is going to happen and here's how it would affect your business, what would you have done differently? Wow. Well, I would have made some financial changes pretty quick um, because uh, I would have known that we were going to lose a lot of business in certain channels um, that people, um, you know, that wasn't happening anymore. So I would have made some financial decisions um, from how we spend money. And also, you know, we have luckily a very diversified portfolio of, of customers and, you know, incredible partners we've had for 10, 15, 20 years as customers. And, um, but I would have thought, how can we diversify even more? So, um, there isn't any concentrations. I would have had, you know, deep conversations with our banks and our financial partners to plan accordingly and really looking at how cash flow is, um, without certain business. Um, so yeah. Uh, and also just staff and, you know, how we have to really look to see with the losses of businesses, the certain channels of, of customers, you know, how we can support that with the most effective team, because we have an incredible team and we've so built on culture and values within our team. And we had to make some hard decisions, which I wish we didn't have to, but you know, when the rug gets pulled from under you from a little virus like COVID, you know, um, it's, it's hard, but you kind of then do have to react quickly. Um, and if I had known ahead of time, would have thought differently and had deeper conversations and how could we restructure things that doesn't um, create reaction, but it's a proactive approach. Yeah, definitely. It's a hint wasn't too dissimilar. Um, and in many ways, we had a pretty big direct to consumer business, which I think was um, helpful um, for sure. But it was uh, definitely the tech offices and business that we had kind of banked on for a long time, really kind of hit us, just like some other businesses that were pretty big as people decided to stay home. So incredible learnings there for sure. So what keeps you motivated? Is there a quote that you think about in life when things are, are tough that you kind of go back to that kind of gets you back up again? Well, I have a lot of spiritual heroes out there. You know, um, I love you know, the, the thought leaders like Carl Gustav Jung and Rudolf Steiner and um, Buckminster Fuller and just those that always were able to think outside the box, you know, and and never get stuck in the moment and time of challenges. Um, 
and you know even some of the the incredible leaders that really helped drive change you know um that really gave themselves to um to drive causes for humanity and the environment and the the i feel like you know we're we've become entrepreneurs and we've created products to drive change and that's what motivates me is how can we continue to to move forward with these sustainable mission driven brands and products that are doing such good on this planet and um and the ripples that it creates you know whether it's through foundations through um organizations um you know and and I started this group with my partner Lara called OSC one step closer and you know bringing together some of the the most thoughtful sustainable business leaders here in California you know you probably know all the brands you know from uh, Guayaki and Sambazan and Nutiva and Lotus Foods and you know the list goes on Dr. Browners and all these great thought thought leaders and change agents and they motivate me you know to learn from them and to work collaboratively with them and uh and and to see their aches and pains and you know so even though i mentioned some big names that are legends in in the world of of you know psychology and entrepreneurship and education our colleagues in the industry motivate me uh you know our my team and my sister and my whole you know my ceo they all motivate me it's just people that are really here to do good on this planet and to make sure we leave it better than when we came to it but that we're also taking care of all those in need along the way and expanding our minds you know um and not getting stuck in patterns but there's this you know sometimes i think are we going more horizontally than vertically as far as change you know um is is floating cars the next thing is that so vertical or is that just this horizontal growth but you know all of it is just us just thinking beyond this present day and what does this world look like 100 years from now and 1000 years from now and how can we leave a tiny little mark of something that helps it become a healthier place for all of us and for itself more importantly yes absolutely well that is a beautiful thought to end on so ahmed thank you so much it was such a pleasure speaking with you and so many gems in in this conversation for sure. I definitely encourage everyone to check out uh New Me Organic Tea and also hear a lot more about Ahmed's journey on their website. We'll have all of that in the show notes as well. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you again, Ahmed. Thank you so much, Kara, for having me. Thanks all for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and I want to thank all of our guests and our sponsors and finally our listeners. Keep the great comments coming in. And one final plug, if you have not read or listened to my book Undaunted, please do so. You will hear all about my journey including founding, scaling and building the company that I founded, Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Thanks everyone for listening and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book Undaunted comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. 
For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.